Oh, where is everybody? Don't worry. They'll be here in 10 minutes. That's right. We'll do. They're all. They're all in Baltimore. That's right. We'll do announce. Do you hear it? Okay. Oh, it's not. It's it's the organ. Okay. Can you will it stop? That's an, that's. <laughs> I'll just keep. Okay. Oh. Wow. It just occurred to me like things that drive me like things that will lead me to go mad. That's that's one of those things. Um, welcome, welcome to 7th Street Christian Church. Good morning, everyone. I hope you're well. Um, yeah, a few announcements. Let us, um, prayerfully remember and celebrate Jamie Babzak and our youth that are currently in Baltimore, Maryland on a service project. Um, I've seen some pictures that were posted. They seem like they're having a great time. Uh, and uh, also Amy Schumacher should also say who accompanied them on that journey and I'm grateful because it was going to be me why, does, why do I do that Sarah is that what I'm trying to do <laughs> I think you're right <laughs> Sarah Schumacher um, who uh, accompanied the youth as well and uh, I was going to have to go which would have been great and fun but I was grateful to be able to have a weekend here you can't hear me well Are the speakers on back here? It's fuzzy. Okay. Can you hear me if I'm up here? Okay. I don't know what to do. <laughs> I don't I don't know what to do between between a high pitched frequency and and a cup a cup over me. I don't know what to do. Okay. Um, so anyway, grateful to uh, our our youth who are who are um, in Baltimore, and we hold them in our thoughts and our prayers. And we um, they will be coming back this afternoon. So safe travels to them. Next week, um, next Sunday is Consecration Sunday. That is the Sunday that we share. Um, what we can offer both financially um, as well as um, our, our other time and leadership gifts to the church. And so next week is Consecration Sunday. We will have a celebration lunch following worship. Um, it is provided. You don't have to bring anything, but we hope that everyone will attend that celebration lunch after worship. Um, also this morning is reconciliation offering. You will see an envelope... Um, and flyer in um, your bulletin, and I encourage you to extend an additional offering um, this morning to the reconciliation. Um, also know um, we are collecting special offering for Week of Compassion as well um, to support uh, those who have been impacted by the flood. So... Um, and then this afternoon is district assembly, um, and where Rich is going to be preaching, right? So, and uh, I, I don't know if it's too late to register, but you could probably show up. They'll probably feed you. But I got your RSVPs in, right? 
That's right. That's right. So um, I think that's really all the announcements that we have. So let us prepare our hearts to worship God.
Friends, as we gather for worship this morning, I invite you to stand and join me in the call to worship that's printed in your bulletin, after which we'll sing together hymn number 86, Great is Thy Faithfulness. We look to the rulers of this earth for leadership, wisdom, and strength. We look to these bodies of ours for stability, fulfillment, and joy. We look to families and friends for love, compassion, and hope. When rulers betray, when bodies fail, and when families disappoint, God offers us another look. God will guide us. God's spirit will sustain us. Christ will welcome us home. Come, my sisters and brothers. We are all God's family now.
Because God's faithfulness extends beyond ours, we dare to approach God with our confession. And so in humility and in faith, let us confess our sin to God and to one another. You asked for my hands, that you might use them for your purpose. I gave them for a moment, then withdrew them, for the work was hard. You asked for my mouth to speak out against injustice. I gave you a whisper that I might not be a curse. You, acu- you asked for my eyes to see the pain of poverty. I closed them, for I did not want to see. You asked for my life that you might work through me. I gave a small part that I might not get too involved. Lord, forgive my calculated efforts to serve you only when it is convenient for me to do so, only in those places where it is safe to do so, and only with those who make it easy to do so. Forgive me, renew me, send me out as a usable instrument that I might take seriously the meaning of your cross. Amen. Sisters and brothers, hear the good news. This saying is sure and worthy of full acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world uh, so that we might be dead to sin and alive to all that is good. I declare to you in the name of Jesus Christ, you are forgiven. And now at peace with Christ, let us also make peace with one another. The peace of Christ be with you.
may be seated. The first reading this morning is a very short one, so I hope you have uh, your attention span set. <laughs> comes from 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 1 and 2, which can be found on page 168 of your pew Bible. 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 1 through 2. Listen for God's word to us. Think of us in this way. As servants of Christ and stewards of God's mysteries. Moreover, it is required of stewards that they should find uh, that they should be found trustworthy. This is God's word for us. Thanks be to God. You might have to join the choir. Be careful. <laughs> Can you all hear me okay, choir? Okay. Now you got me all flustered and worried. Our second scripture reading comes from the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 6, verses 24 through 32. I invite you to actively listen or to follow along in your pew Bible. No one can serve two masters, for a slave will either hate the one and love the other or be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and wealth. Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, or about your body and what you will wear. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? And can any of you worrying add a single hour to your span of life? And why do you worry about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field and how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not clothed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which is alive today and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? Therefore do not worry, saying, what will I eat, or what will we drink, or what will we wear? For it is the Gentiles who strive for all these things. And indeed, your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. But strive first for the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. So do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will bring worries of its own. Today's trouble is enough for today. The word of the Lord. Today's trouble is enough 
for today. As many of you know, I moved into a new place this past week, and many of you are kind enough to ask me how it is, and I respond that I am loving living closer to work and to all the things that I enjoy doing. But the house isn't perfect. I just discovered last night, actually, that my bedroom door does not close. And whoever painted last didn't focus on the details. And in some areas, there is more paint on the floor than actually on the wall. And then there's the issue of the kitchen cabinets, which I think a 10-year-old may have installed. And I actually am concerned that they're going to fall off the wall. But in reality, the house is fine. It's fine. And all my complaints really fall under what I like to call first world problems. Because just the fact that I have a roof over my head should be enough. Especially when there are approximately 600 people who go unsheltered each night in Richmond. Today's trouble is enough for today. And North Thailand is a small village. The village is not fancy. It boasts a couple dozen family units living in small wood-framed houses. The villagers have livestock and plots of land to grow vegetables. There is a natural pond nearby that provides water for the animals and a well that provides clean water to the residents. It's a simple life, but a sustainable life, where the villagers have all their needs met. Shelter, food, water, community. The quality of life in this village is high, or at least it was. Until a few years ago, a large company came in asking permission to cut down all the surrounding teak trees. It seemed like a good deal. A little extra money to help the villagers, perhaps pay for some infrastructure, maybe another water well or community toilets or the ability to send their kids to school. And in addition to the money, the business said it would replace each teak tree that they cut down with another tree to replenish the forest. It was perfect. Except that the business didn't replace the slow-growing teak trees with new teak tree saplings. Instead, it replaced them with a fast-growing softwood. Not at all the same quality of tree, both causing problems in the short and the long run. In the long run, there is little value in the mature wood, as it is not at all the same quality as the teak. And in the short run, those fast-growing softwoods sucked up all the water from the ground resulting in well water and ponds drying up, creating a shortage for humans and livestock 
Without water for the livestock, they were sold or they died. And without the use of the pond for irrigation, no crops were growing during the dry season. The quality of life plummeted as this self-sustaining village came to ruin. Today's trouble is enough for today. And the most recent World Food Programs report called Winning the Peace, it examines what can happen when people do not have enough food at a time when more than 20 million stand on the brink of starvation. If left unchecked, food insecurity destabilizes nations, creating fertile ground for unrest in many forms, from migration to food riots to recruitment by violent extremists. In other words, there is no security with food insecurity. In the words of Senator Pat Roberts, chairman of the Senate Agricultural Committee, show me a nation that cannot feed itself and I'll show you a nation of chaos. Today's trouble is indeed enough for today. And we are indeed taught not to worry well, sorry, we are indeed taught to worry. We are told that we should fear and fear a lot. We're supposed to look for those suspicious people at the airport, right? We can now get texts from the president alerting us of any disastrous concerns. We should fear another collapse of the housing market or our house burning down or burglars or people coming into our schools or our churches and shooting us up. We should even be worried about what the side effects of medicine might kill us before the medicine actually helps us. And women, we are taught to fear how we dress, how we walk down the streets, if we have had too much to drink. We are to fear if we have been sexually assaulted. And now, even if we are, we now have to worry if our story will be heard. Trouble and worry permeates everything we do to the point that all this stress and worry actually changes our DNA. In a recent Harvard study, research discovered that the genes exposed to chronic stress actually change over time. It said these modifications were most associated with genes related to a variety of mental illnesses such as depression and autism and schizophrenia. It is no wonder that all this worry has us focusing inward and on ourselves. After all, we are taught time and again to put our own oxygen mask on first before helping our loved ones. And then we encounter the scripture for today that tells us not to worry, to not be so concerned about food or drink 
or clothing. Society has changed a great deal since the time of Jesus. Definitions of poverty and wealth and the good life are much different today than they were back then. For example, we are constantly being bombarded with images and messages from advertisers and media that encourage us to consume. And further, such messages can make us feel unhappy with what we have and the hopes that we will buy and consume more. On the other side of this equation includes the harsh realities of economic failure. We hear sad stories of homes being foreclosed on and financial tragedy striking both individuals and businesses. We have constructed a world economy that is dependent upon the American consumer to keep it afloat. And as a result, we live with conflicting messages and concerns that distract us from our loyalties. We seek security and stability, and are appropriately worried about our future. And then we encounter the scripture this morning that tells us not to worry, to not be so concerned about food or drink or clothing. Jesus, in the Gospel of Matthew, reminds us that acquiring goods for oneself may distract us from seeking righteousness and justice around us. Here we are encouraged to live by faith, trusting God to provide all material needs. It seems to suggest that we do not need to work or prepare for the future at all. We can simply relax knowing that God is going to take care of us. But as most of us know, this doesn't seem to match what we know of life on this planet. But Jesus is not calling us all to abandon our lives and move to the desert and join a monastery or empty our savings accounts and our 401ks. Rather, he is addressing the basis for excessive worry and anxiety that results from being separated from God. The text calls us to a different set of values and different priorities. The Gentiles, those who are outside a community of faith, both seek after these things and worry about their life, their physical possessions, and the accompanying social status. A life devoted to God, lived under the reign of God, is lived according to the values of the beloved community of God. Jesus' challenge to trust God for daily needs is exactly why he can say to those looking to do good, if you wish to be perfect, go sell your possessions and give the money to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven and then come follow me. 
Or as Mother Teresa famously said, if you can't feed a hundred people, then feed just one. This text is a reminder to remove the focus off ourselves and back to the community, to the body of Christ, to the whole of creation. Move us to think about what it means to attempt to feed just one, to help at least just one, to help listen to just one, to see at least just one. We can get bogged down on the enormity of worry, on the enormity of community and world problems, on the enormity of our own concerns. And we can easily choose to see the glass half empty instead of half full. But we are called not to be perfect. But to help at least just one. If we believe and know that God will take care of us, what does it look like then for us to take care of God's justice in the world? There is more to life than concern for daily needs, though this is most definitely difficult for some. But Jesus expects us to put forward energy into things that give more meaning to life. And we must strive to discern how God is working in the world and how to participate in acts of justice on God's behalf. In this period of intentional stewardship reflection, how are we called to honor the body of Christ? through our offering. What we are doing here at 7th Street Christian Church is more than just worship. We show up because as disciples of Christ, we see there is a world in need, and we come here to find encouragement and strength from our faith in Christ and from each other. We show up here because we too often hear people wonder, where is God in all of this mess? And we know that God is asking the same questions of us. And so we show up. We show up. As Jamie shared last week when she shared that Teresa of Avila's poem, we show up because Christ has no body but yours, no hands, no feet on earth but yours. Yours are the eyes through which he looks compassion on this world. Yours are the feet with which he walks to do good. Yours are the hands through which he blesses all the world. Yours are the hands, yours are the feet, yours are the eyes. You are his body. 
Christ has no body but yours. And so we show up because we know we are the hands and feet of Christ. And we do this because we are called to care for each other. And we support this work because none of this is ours to begin with. And we can't do this alone. We support this work because our liberation is bound up in each other. And we do this because we are called as disciples to live out our responsibility to help bring God's justice to the world. Let it be so. If you feel called to join this congregation as we do our best at being the body of Christ and bringing God's justice to the world, we invite you to come forward during the singing of our hymn of commitment, Blessed Assurance. We will sing verses 1 and 3. Stand if you are able. You may be seated. Well, y'all know these two. Have, were y'all members before? Mm -hmm. And y'all are coming on back? Yes. Awesome. Um, we're coming back. <laughs> you never really left, really. You've really main, remained. Um, Reverend Ron and Judith Hopkins, we are glad that you are back. And we extend the invitation of Christ to you. I already know that you affirm your faith and love in Jesus the Christ. And so 
we welcome you back. You never left our fold. Um, and they will be in the back, um, and you can, uh, after worship. But please turn to page 341, welcoming a new member, and we can join in this together. You get, oh, you can't, okay, you're good, don't, don't you worry. <laughs> Reaffirming our own faith in Jesus the Christ, we gladly welcome you into this community of faith, enfolding you with our love and committing ourselves to your care. In the power of God's Spirit, let us mutually encourage each other to trust God and strengthen one another to serve others, that Christ's church may in all things stand faithful. Amen. Amen. Welcome, friends. <laughs> Oh, it's me. <laughs> That's always exciting. The Lord be with you. Let us pray. Creator God, in you we live and move and have our being. We give thanks for the abundance of creation and all good gifts which come from you. Yet in difficult and uncertain times, we often see scarcity more than we trust in your abundance and fear of what and fear of want can lead us to turn from your community and neighbor and hold tight. To what we have. Forgive us, gracious God, when doubt and fear and uncertainty cloud our living and limit our imaginations. Forgive us when we abandon the common good for our own individual gain. Help us, O oh God, to live out the spaciousness of your vision for all creation. Grant us courage to see the needs of the vulnerable in our communities and to work for the world in which there is enough for all. Remind us with the gentle breath of your spirit that we are truly in this together, caught in a network of inescapable mutuality. Be with us, God and breathe life into the dry bones of our public debate and policymaking, that we may resist the temptation to point fingers of blame and condemnation, to cling to individual self-interest and quick fixes, so that we can dare to believe another world is possible. When our wounds have been opened wide and put on display, and when there is no compassion to be found in fear and rage and sadness and confusion, sap our energy, 
empower us. May we turn our confusion into learning, our rage into action, our sadness into compassion, our fear into hope. Bind our wounds, that our scars may testify to truth, hope, and love. Move us, O God, to turn to one another and not away from each other. Help us to choose the way of compassion and faith in our own lives, in our own communities, in our own nation, and in our world. Amen. Good morning. My name is Steve Cheney, and let me first assure you, I don't normally wear t-shirts to church. However, this one has special meaning to me. About 10 years old, which means it's one of the younger members of my t-shirt collection, as I'm sure my wife could tell you. But it's labeled the Southeast Louisiana Disaster Recovery. On the back it says, Rebuilding Hope, Rebuilding Faith, Rebuilding Lives. It was from a trip that we took about 10 years ago, paid for by donations from this church, in which we help people who were recovering from Katrina. And at the end of the trip, I bought these shirts for all of the members of the trip with your money, both because I thought they deserved them and also because the people that sold them to me, right? I knew what they would do with the money. We were supported, housed, and fed by the First Christian Church of Slidell, Louisiana from donations of their members. So I'm here to speak today about stewardship. The word that when you speak it in church scares everybody. Now I'll say the scarier word, tithe. If you look it up, the definition says one-tenth paid as tribute to God. Yet in the time of Jesus, most people had little, if any, money, and perhaps more telling, had probably less understanding of numbers. It is us who wish to apply numbers to each area of our lives. As a math teacher, I'm here to tell you that truth is not always something you can assign a number to. In my view, tithe falls in that category. Suppose you were a craftsman who bartered your crafts for food necessities. What is one-tenth of that? Or maybe you were a barber who bartered your services. 
did you give a tenth of a haircut? The Bible is full of stories where the wealthy person's money is insufficient, yet the widow's two pennies are incredibly generous. How wonderful was the donation of five loaves and two fishes? Was that more or less than one-tenth? It is my belief that one-tenth should not be taken literally. Any more than in the Bible, 40 doesn't mean exactly 40, but in ancient times it was a synonym for a, a lot. Perhaps a better definition of tithe would be an amount given as a your way of honoring God. When viewed this way, the amount includes your treasure, your talent, and perhaps most importantly, your time. These things cannot be measured in tenths. What we need to be asking is, are my gifts honoring God? Well, for me, <laughs> that may be a scarier idea than stewardship or a tenth. But it is something that we can all aspire to. I may have never achieved a true tithe, but I have seen others who have. Please indulge me as I tell a story. It's about a young woman that accompanied us on this trip who has one of these shirts. We were assigned and helped by a member of Disciples Home Missions who was under whose guidance we were working. And he had given us uh, the project of helping rebuild an older gentleman's house. Uh, like so many people in Louisiana, he owned the house outright. It had been in his family for generations. It was badly, badly damaged during the hurricane. And as so many people there who owned their houses outright, they had no insurance. So here, three years later, his house was not yet rebuilt. He had been living with friends. He unfortunately had no family. And we were given the job of helping to rebuild the house. A young woman who came from Deep Run High School, her mother taught at Tucker, how she heard, and she later told me the only reason she went on the trip was she was trying to fulfill her community service hours so that she could have the community service patch on her diploma. And she thought, okay, this will get it all done in one week. Won't have to do community service the rest of the year. And we were helping rebuild this gentleman's house, small house. And we had his bathroom, which the woodwork had been redone, the new, uh, and the, the new facilities bathtub had been installed. But man from Disciples Home Mission said, we need to tile this. Who knows how to do tile? None of us. But she said, well, I don't know. If you'll show me, though, I'll try it. He taught her how to lay tile. Had to cut it with the machine. Not easy. This is not an easy job. And she worked on it for almost three days. She worked to do this job. 
I asked her a couple of times uh, along the way, do you need any help? Would you like to? No, no, I, I want to do this myself. At the end of the three days, she had laid all the tile, hadn't grouted it yet, and wasn't completely done. But the man whose home it was came to visit and to say thank you. He saw the bathroom. He started crying. She started crying. I started crying. We all cried. <laughs> okay. But in that moment, did she give a gift that honored God? Yes. She tithed. No doubt in my mind. None. Tithe, in its truest sense, perhaps not achievable, but certainly worth aspiring to. All glory and honor to God.
Let us pray. God of all creation, breathe your life-giving breath upon these gifts, that they might be a blessing to all flesh. Amen. You may be seated. Today is World Communion Sunday. We have not actually created all the pop and circumstance around it this year as we have in years past. But that doesn't mean it's any less important. And we still take time to reflect upon what it means to come to this communion table. All around the world today, people in all of our Christian traditions are celebrating communion. And as you partake this morning, I invite you to consider why you take communion. What does it mean to be welcome to this table? What does it mean to be able to partake of this meal? Why do you need it? Why do you want it? For me, I take communion because I am hungry for a place of radical acceptance. Where the tragedies and hopes of life are confronted. I am hungry for food that reminds me God's love is so abundant, it feeds the entire world. I take communion because I am often hungry for the wrong things. I have wanted to name God all by myself, to exclude others, to feast on my own apathy and be left to my own devices. At this table, I am reminded of my hungry, of my hunger and of the only one whose bread does not leave me empty. As we sing our communion hymn, I invite you to reflect on why this table is sacred.
As we gather around this table, we remember the story that on the night Jesus was betrayed, he took bread and blessed it and broke it and gave it to his disciples and said, this bread is like my body, broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And likewise, after supper, Jesus took the cup and poured the wine and blessed it and gave it to them and said, the wine in this cup is like the blood in my veins poured out to give you new life. Do this in remembrance of me. Let us pray. Gracious Lord, hear our prayers. On this beautiful, very warm autumn Sunday, make us mindful of all your gifts, the abundant harvest of this earth for our use. Help us remember our requirements and responsibilities to be good stewards of your gifts. Today, make us especially keen to the gift of Reverend Holly Woodruff. Embrace Holly, our chosen and dedicated leader, and her team with your strength. As we gather here this morning at your table of love and sacrifice, let us promise our love, sacrifice, and support of Holly and our pledge to work together for the growth of your church here and throughout our community. Make us strong stewards of our leadership at 7th Street. Let us support Holly and her team. May each task be blessed and each decision directed to the unity of our Christian community here and outside these walls. Service is a gift. Thank you, Lord, for the service of Holly and her team as we honor our ministers in the month of October. Thank you for this gift. God bless our ministers. In your son's holy name, Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. Dear Heavenly Father, on this World Communion Sunday, we have come as part of the whole people of God together at your table. We take this cup with brothers and sisters from all over the planet, gathered in your love. Let this meaning of this moment expand our vision of what it means to be your one people in Jesus Christ. Amen.
Let us pray. Great God, fill our hearts with the gladness of your word for the traditions and the teachings that have been passed down to us. Fill our minds with the questions so that we can challenge the ways of the world and think differently so that we can follow you with full hearts. Fill our lives with the presence of one another that we may know our neighbors and love them as ourselves. Help us to think differently, to love deeply, and to live in peace with one another, caring for those in need as our brothers and sisters. We give you thanks for this meal that we have been fed and nourished. We pray this in the name of Jesus who taught us to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Amen. Let us join our voices in our closing hymn. We will sing verses 1, 3, and 4 of Renew Your Church on page 463. Let us stand if you are able. Receive this benediction. As you leave this sacred space, live out your connection with one another, honoring the body of Christ and being the body of Christ to the world. Amen.